Okay, if you would take your Bible this evening and turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. <clears throat> started here, I think it was actually before Christmas, and uh, so we're going to go back to it. Lord willing, I'll preach through this book also. James chapter 1, and we're going to pick up at verse 5 and read down through verse 8. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that waveth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man thinketh that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again the privilege and opportunity we have to open your precious word. We thank you, Father, that you preserved it for us in our own language, that we can have assurance that these are the words of God. And I pray tonight, Father, as we look into the word of God, that we allow the spirit of God to teach us, instruct us, and challenge us, and convict of our need. And, Father, just, just work and edify your people for your glory and for your honor. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> title of the message tonight simply asking God for wisdom. Of course, you know, several weeks ago, it's been quite a few weeks ago now, we looked at the first few verses and talked about uh, temp- how temptations are allowed or even sometimes God tempts us or tries us. He doesn't tempt us to sin, but he tries us to prove ourselves and the purpose is to increase our faith and uh, our our, uh, uh, walk with the Lord. But then he goes on here in verse 5, if any of you lack wisdom. Now wisdom in this context means the knowledge and practice of the requisites or the necessities for godly and upright living. Now, put it in context with chapter 1. We've talked about trials and temptations that, we, uh, that come in our life. And so we need to have wisdom, uh, which is necessary for life, so that we can live godly and upright in the times and trials and temptations of life that will try us. You know, you know, leave the fact that, you can just leave out for a minute that God sometimes tests us, approves us. The world is going to try us. They're going to pressure us to see if we are real, genuine. They're going to put pressure on us. We call it, you know, people talk about, you know, the teens have peer pressure. It isn't just teens that go through peer pressure. Everybody has peer pressure. Uh, and the world's going to pressure us. And, of course, God's purpose in our lives, to prove us, is to perfect us in wisdom in order that we might live righteously and godly in this present world. You know, some people have the idea, well, you can't really live that way in, in 2019. Really? That's not what the Bible says. The Bible is relevant for every day and every day. Uh, that's God's plan for us. That's God's purpose for us. 
But we need to be willing to ask for wisdom. Now, I have three points, and then I have some sub-points. And, uh, first of all, the willingness of God. We need to understand the willingness of God or the desire of God. Verse 5 says, If any man, any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Now, God is willing, first of all, to meet our lack. The word lack means to lag or be inferior. Now, you might say, well, Pastor, I'm not ignorant, and I'm not unlearned. Well, let me look at it from, let's look at it from another perspective. Do you have the wisdom of God? In other words, you lack. You and I lack. I lack. Romans 11, 33 and 34 says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgment and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor? So, yeah, maybe if you compare to somebody else in your world, you might say, I don't lack. But if you're going to compare yourself to God, if you want the wisdom of God, you lack. You lack. But see, God desires and is willing to meet that lack in their life. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 10, verse 23, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. The psalmist said in Psalm 37, 23, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. So there's a willingness of God to meet that lack that we have. But there's also a willingness of God for us to ask. Now he says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Now, the word ask simply means to request for oneself or, uh, uh, or to ask. In this course, there's a requirement that goes with asking, and that is humility. We have to admit, I need help. I need help. I need God's help. The main main reason people are left in bad situations is they want to ask help. I knew a man, former church, that always had financial problems. He made more money than anybody else in church, but he always had financial problems. A man even offered to set him up a budget, and he started to, but he didn't like it. You know what the bottom line is? He didn't want help. He didn't want help. He didn't want to change his ways, which is really pride. It's self-love. But, you know, we need to have humility to ask. You know, Solomon received wisdom from God because he asked. Do you ever think about what Solomon said? Go to 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3. <clears throat> now, Solomon's the king. And I want you to notice what Solomon asked. 1 Kings chapter 3. Verse 5, In Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask, well, I shall give thee. And Solomon said, 
Thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and uprightness of heart with thee. Thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne, as it is this day. Now, this wasn't just any throne. This is the throne of David. David is probably, at this time, the throne of David is probably the mightiest nation in the world. I mean, they conquered everybody random. Yet everybody made peace with Solomon because of David. So this, just, this isn't just any throne. And he says, and now, verse 7, notice, And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of the people, thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people, that cannot be numbered, nor counted from multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding and to serve judgment. Behold what I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after, there, after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. Solomon said, God, I'm just like a little boy. I'm not sure what to do. I need your wisdom to govern this people. And so God desires that we ask. You know, I'm sure you heard this statement. Unsolicited advice is seldom appreciated. The reason people don't ask the Lord is they don't think they need help. God wants us to ask. And he's the perfect gentleman. He's not going to try to force something on you you don't want. But he's willing, if you're willing to ask. Thirdly, think about the willingness of God. It's God's desire, God's desire to give us wisdom. It's his desire. Notice verse 5 again. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Now, I want to notice, I have three sub-points under this point. And I want to define these terms. Liberally. Liberally means simply, open, frankly, sincerely. Led solely by his desire to bless you. See, God wants to, desires to bless your life. And so he wants to give it to you. Sincerely. Liberally. And it isn't something he can't give. You know, Bernie promises something he can't give. It'll, it'll come from you. No, God has it to give. And he wants to give it to you. To bless you. 
That's what he did with Solomon. He gave him things they didn't even ask for. By the way, when you have the wisdom of God, you get things you didn't ask for. The second word I want to look at is upbraideth. Now it says he upbraideth not. To upbraid means to reproach or revile. It's like casting favors received in one's teeth, or it's finding fault with or censure. You know, remember when Jesus was crucified in Matthew chapter 7, the Bible tells us there that, you know, they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, that thou dost destroy us the temple and build us it in three days. Save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests, mocking him with the scribes and elders, said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him. Now if he will have him, for he said, I am the son of God. The thieves also which were crucified him with him cast the same in his teeth. In other words, they were throwing insults at him and reviling him for the things he said. The Bible says here, that the Lord upbraideth not. Did your parents, or you as a parent, ever say to your child, Why? Why did you do that? Are you that intellectually challenged? <laughs> That's a nice way of saying, Are you that dumb? <laughs> That's upbraiding. That's what upbraiding is. And the Bible says here that if we asked, he isn't going to say, well, you should have known. He will not upbraid us for asking. God is pleased when we ask. He's pleased. Because he desires to bless us. I want you to notice the third thing about this. It is his promise to us. Notice again verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Let give it to all men liberally, and upbraideth not. And it shall be given him. Now, when you're talking to somebody about salvation, many times we might conclude that with going to Romans 10.13, which says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a promise from God. So is this. That's the same terminology here. This is a promise from God. When Whoever humbly asks for wisdom will receive it. It is his promise. And, you know, when you humbly ask, you will not care how it is given to you or through whom it will come to you. You know, it may be... It may be someone you think is not as successful to you in some ways. But maybe has more wisdom where you lack. Do you ever think about this? Who taught Samuel to be a priest? It was Eli. who his own sons were vile and wicked men. But God used Eli in Samuel's life. God used Eli in Samuel's life. See, 
God desires to give us wisdom. I want you to notice the second thing. The wealth of faith. I know that's an interesting term here, but there is a lot of wealth in faith. And I'm not talking just about financial. Verse 6 says, But let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that waveth is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind that tossed. You know, faith is described as trust or confidence in God or in, or in the Lord Jesus Christ. But faith is a word of action. Faith demonstrates or manifests itself in life with actions. You know, a trial will either show your faith of doubt, which is unbelief, show you have faith or doubt, which is really unbelief. You know, Rahab, by faith, received the spies. We see that in chapter 2. Of course, also in Hebrews chapter 11. Because she believed God, she had faith in God and the promises of God, she was willing to risk her life in doing that. She put her life on the line. You know, she hung a scarlet thread in the window from the time they left to the time they conquered Jericho. She could have said, oh, what if somebody asked me why I have that thread hanging in the window? Maybe I'd better not put it out there. What if? What if? God doesn't keep his promise to me. She brought all her family home to her house. She could have had people say, hey, Rahab, why have your whole family, whole family living in your house? That's what they told her to do. You know, Job said, and this is Byler's revised version, I don't understand. I don't know why. I don't know where he is, and I don't know why he won't answer me. But I know he knoweth the way that I take. And though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Jesus said in Matthew seventeen twenty, Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, they were trying to cast out the disciples were trying to cast out they could cast out a demon. He said, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Now, I'm told that a mustard seed is the smallest of seeds. And Jesus said, If you have the faith of a mustard seed, nothing shall be impossible for you. You know, the centurion at Capernaum in Luke chapter 7 sent to Jesus and ask him to heal his servant. And in verse 7 he says, Wherefore neither thought I myself to come unto thee, but say in a word. Just say in a word. And my servant shall be healed. You know, Jesus said, I have not seen so great faith, so great faith in Israel. 
That was faith. Just say the word. My servant shall be healed. See, faith is conquering your doubts. It's overcoming your doubt, just like courage is overcoming your fear. Your faith doesn't ask, is it sensible? But is it scriptural? Faith doesn't ask, what if? But what is written? Faith doesn't ask, is it reasonable? But is it according to divine revelation? Faith doesn't ask, what do people think? But what saith the Lord? Faith doesn't ask for proof. Faith is the proof. Faith doesn't ask for evidence, for faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Somebody said this, Faith is to believe what we do not see, and the reward of this faith is to see what we believe. Let me say that again. Faith is to believe what we do not see, and the reward of this faith is to see what we believe. Did Job get to see what he believed? He did. God finally answered him out of the whirlwind. And he said, who are you to utter counsel without knowledge? He did get to see. Abraham went out not knowing where he went. But did he get to see what he believed God was going to give for him? He got in the land of Canaan. He came down to Mamre. And the Lord said, look to the east, the west, the north, and the south. And all this land I give to thee. And thy children after thee. See, he got to see what he believed. Rahab believed and saw the fruit of her faith. You know, she married a man by the name of Salmon. And they had a son who was the godliest man in Judah in his time, Boaz. You see, there's wealth, riches in faith. But I want you to notice, thirdly, the want of wavering. Verses 6 through 8. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that waveth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Now the word wavering means to be at variance with oneself, to hesitate or to doubt, or doubting. And so we are to ask, or we just seek the wisdom of God, and we are to do it consistently. Not just when we have a problem. You know, Brother Hoyle mentioned this morning, and it's so true, we don't have as much a problem with the, with the hard battles of life we have more struggle with the day-to-day things. Children of Israel, when they were facing the big battles of taking over the land, I mean, they did just, just fine. 
But then the everyday thing, they began to compromise. You know, many times people come to church because they have a problem. Not because they want the wisdom of God to solve their problem. They just want what are the consequences of the problem. We've had them come and go. You know, Jeroboam begged the help of God through the prophet of God when his arm became leprous, white as snow. But as soon as the man of God was gone, he went back to offering his sacrifices on those calves he had made at Bethel and Dan. You know, Saul wanted to be sanctified in the eye of the people, even though he had rebelled against God. But then he went on in his rebellion against God. The children of Malachi continued to bring offerings and sacrifices. They continued to go through the motions of devotion to God, but it was without honor or reverence to God. They offered polluted bread, blind, lame, and sick for sacrifice. They're like the rich man who gave Lazarus his leftovers, just his crumbs. You know, I have something I don't want, so God, you can have it. That's kind of the idea. Something that's no good to me. You see, to men, too many people, they want God in their life just in case. but not control every day, every moment, life. Let me, let me say something you never, never thought of before. We always have a problem. Every one of us always has a problem. I mean, Constantly. Some of you just don't know it yet. The problem or opposition we face every day is ourselves. It's ourselves. You know, my my problem every day is myself. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 31, I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. Paul knew he had a problem he had to face every day and it was himself. Himself. Paul said in Philippians 3.3 For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. I don't have any confidence in my flesh. That's why he wrote in 1 Corinthians 9 I bring my body in subjection. The idea was there, he was, it's, it's like being buffeted or buffeting yourself and forcing yourself into the subjection to God. Because he knew that if he left the flesh have its way. It would bring destruction into his life. Billy Sunday said one time, quote, God will not send the winds to drive our ship, 
unless we have the faith to lift our sails. Unquote. See, wavering is going to leave you in want. It's going to leave you without the wisdom of God. In fact, the Bible says here, let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. It's like saying, I don't trust you to tell me the truth. It's being uncertain and mistrusting. Go to first first Kings chapter eighteen. First Kings chapter eighteen. We see an example of this in the Old Testament. First Kings eighteen, verse twenty one. During the reign of Ahab and Jezebel. Maybe we should say the reign of Jezebel and Ahab, I don't know, but uh, anyway, 1 Kings 18, of course, Elijah comes on the scene. And after the three years, and he's preparing for the contest on Mount Carmel. And he addresses the children of Israel, and he says this, verse 21. Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And notice, and the people answered him, not a word. They wouldn't say then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I, only remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks, and let them choose one bullock for themselves, and cut it in pieces, lay it on wood, put no fire under it, and I would dress the other bullock, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under it. And ye call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And, let, and the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. And then in James chapter 5, verse 17. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. Let me just stop here for a minute. You know, sometimes we have the idea, again, that, the, 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 that people in the Bible, saints in the Bible, were, they were impeccable. They didn't have problems. Did you know that Elijah had himself a pity party? He felt sorry for himself. He got depressed. Lord, just kill me. I'm the only one left, and they seek my life too. But so, so he's like passions as we are. And then it says, And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not in the earth by the space of three years and six months. He prayed again, and the earth gave rain, and the, earth, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, we could say, if you are doubting God's word. That's really what unbelief is, and that's what erring from the truth amounts to. And one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. If you go down the road of unbelief, you're headed for some serious consequences. But if you ask God, God's just waiting, desiring, 
to give you the wisdom and the understanding for the trials and tests of life. To know how to live godly and righteously in this present evil world. We just need to ask and ask in faith, believing that God will keep his promises. You know, we have a record here, a record of how many times, I don't know, I wouldn't want to try and count them, how many times God kept his promises. There were times that he promised judgment, and guess what they got? They got judgment. There were times he promised blessing, and guess what they got? They got blessing. You see, we don't need to waver because God will keep his word. And he is willing, desiring to give us what we need, his wisdom for life and godliness. Let's seek, let's ask him. Humble ourselves and ask him for it.